Hi, this is Aiden Doyle, back from the 2018 Winter Olympics in Pyeongchang, South Korea. No, I didn't get the neurovirus, but Lindsey Vaughn said hi to me, and now I'm stuck talking with Tommy Weber on The Conversation. From the Gotham Podcast Studios in the heart of downtown New York City, in Tribeca, my hometown, the greatest city in the world, this is The Conversation with Tommy Weber. Welcome aboard. A late winter day. Spring is upon us. Spring training is underway. We can almost see the light at the end of the tunnel as the season's about to, to start in Major League Baseball in another three weeks or so. Uh, We've got a great show for you today. Aiden Doyle is on board, the voice of the 2017 champion Brewster Whitecaps, fresh from Pyeongchang in the Winter Olympics. Going to talk to him in just a bit. The NCAA, once again, is under fire as it has been for so long. Uh, everything old is new again. This is not a new argument. People have been discussing the, the rampant corruption in the NCAA for years and years and years. And I've always been an advocate of the dissolution of the NCAA, if you will. I think there's been far too much power centered in one place, and all that breeds is absolute corruption. In our sport, in baseball, the NCAA has done nothing but limit play and serve to silence players, the two things that I think uh, are hurting our game. So uh, I'm an advocate for the dismantling of and the taking of power and giving it back to the member schools, their athletic directors and administrators, to form more conferences. At the end of the day, all of these problems that plague the NCAA apply to a very, very small amount of schools. I would let them do whatever they want to do. If they want to pay players, that's fine. They don't need any rules. They don't play by the rules now anyway. The players are getting paid, and the players that should get paid probably are getting paid. So as far as I'm concerned, the 50 or so schools, especially at the Division I level, that any of these issues pertain to, Cut them loose and let them go. And for everyone else, form your own conferences, your own divisions, your own playoffs, your own World Series based on your resources and your philosophies academically and athletically. That's my take on it. Aiden Doyle, my buddy, welcome aboard. I thought you weren't going to do a rant. Well, I'm, I always have a rant in me, as you know, spending oh, the summer with me. I'm, I'm well aware <laughs> of that. Welcome back. Thank you. It's good to be back. You still got jet, jet lag? A little bit, to be honest. I mean, I've been to Japan before, and that the jet lag coming back is always worse than it is going over. And even coming back from Japan, it wasn't that bad. But coming back from Korea, it's been it's been a little bit it's been a little rough. I mean, as a twenty year old college student, though, <laughs> my sleep schedule isn't exactly to a T day uh, by regular? day. It kind of right. kind of varies. varies. It's a little off. It's fluid. Um, it's like gender is these days. <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's 2018 for the program. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely a little off. I mean, last night I was having pizza at 1.30 in the morning. So God bless well, you. Well, this morning I was having pizza at 1.30 God bless morning. you. In the interest of full disclosure, um, Aiden and I actually met in 2016. That's uh, correct. On the golf course, par 5, on the captain's course. It's a 4. Is it a par 4? Yeah, no, it's, it's a long, long par, par 4. It's a long par 4, right down the hill, little dog leg left, yep. tough green. Um, I met Aiden. Aiden was working at the golf course. We started talking about baseball. I said, wow, this kid's really bright. But you were working for, at the time, in 2016. The Katuit Cavaliers. That's right, the enemy. The enemy he was working for. Uh, and um, much to my surprise, when we showed up in 2017, Aiden was the, uh, the essentially the uh, director of all of our media. And if he wasn't essentially the director, he was de facto the director by the time the season took flight. Um, Aiden... Uh, an incredible year. You're from Brewster. 
uh, it was very evident. I met your parents, uh, spent a lot of time with them, great people. As a matter of fact, this Christmas night, you were kind enough to invite me and my wife to one of the best Christmas nights I have ever had out in Howard Beach, Queens, with uh, uh, lots of Italian people and, you know, my, my, my goombadas. And, um, so your people, that's half right. of my uh, people. That's right, exactly. Uh, that's the good half. Um, <laughs> uh, and, um, you know, you know you really kind of embody what the whole Cape Cod experience is about uh, for the Cape Cod League. It's, it's very Americana. It's very family. Every team is a small town. The town really adopts the team. It is really important. The one thing that struck me over the last two years, especially this year with our championship run, was how important these teams really are to uh, each individual town. And Brewster being a really, really small town, and you being from Brewster, I was really made aware early on how important the team is to you and to your family. Tell us about that. Well, it's something that I've grown up around. When I was much younger, back in the early 2000s, uh, my family hosted players. Um, and my brother, my older brother, was a bat boy. I was a bat boy. So from the time I've been, as long as I can remember, growing up, my summers were spent going to Cape Cod League baseball games, particularly Brewster Whitecaps games getting to know players, coaches, uh, the rest of the organization, the administration, and just seemed like every summer we were waiting for that, typically right around June 10th, June 15th, that opening day where everything starts and getting to see new players. Because it, it is interesting in, let's say, a Major League Baseball sense where you have the same roster with mm -hmm. some changes every year, and but then you can root for the same players every year. But in, in the Cape League, you're rooting for new players for the most part every single summer so you're trying to learn about them who they are who's good who wants to go on and you know well they all want to go play in the pros but you know just just a little bit more about each individual player and then also being able to share for me our home my home with them because they're the stars of the show but at the same time they're the outsiders who are coming in and trying to immerse themselves in the Cape Cod community. I think what I'm struck by, uh, what I was struck by anyway, especially this year, I mean, this year was a really special year for a million, million reasons that we'll, we'll go into, but um, is the degree to which how quickly kids feel at home. You would think kids would suffer from a little more homesickness. They've been away all year, you know, when they're in their colleges and in playoffs. They probably, many of them, have never gotten a chance to go back home between school and the Cape, and how quickly they seem to be at home. And I think that has to do with... Uh, how how well received they are by people in Brewster and by the host family. Speak to that. Well, I think, like you mentioned, it's a testament to the host families in particular who open up their doors every summer, open up their homes, and say, you know, here's a bed. You know, he, like some of them cook for the players. Some mm -hmm. of them, you know, take them out on a boat, out fishing one day. Uh, they'll go on trips together. And for the younger kids in particular, so the the sons and daughters of those host families. It's really cool, and I can speak to that personally, getting to see these. Uh, they look like superheroes, to right. be honest. Right. I mean, when I was growing up, we had one kid in particular, uh, Brennan Bosch. He actually went on and played for the Detroit Tigers mm -hmm. and actually the Yankees and the Reds um, in Major League Baseball. But he was from the University of California, and he showed up. And he, it wasn't our first year hosting players. It was, I think, our third or fourth. And... He immediately took to us, very friendly, very personable. The first day he was there, he was out uh, in, in the front yard playing home run derby with my brother and I. And so that that's a memory that, even though I was much younger, I'll, I'll always have. And that's something that stuck with me more than watching him play the actual games. Mm -hmm. It was his interactions 
with my brother and I and getting and being essentially another big brother and yep. someone we could look up to. Yeah, I see that with a lot of guys. Exactly that. You hit the nail right on the head. They are they do act as big brothers to the younger kids and uh, just for everybody out there, if you've never if you've been to the Cape and you haven't been to any games, you're really doing yourself a disservice. Um, you know, everybody who's involved in baseball knows about Cape Cod. It's the top of the food chain. It's the best league in the world, the best players in the world at that age group and that in you know, unless you're going to be a professional baseball player, it is the best league on the planet. And it it not only is the best league on the planet from a talent perspective, they really do it right. It's very family-oriented. It's very Americana. Uh, every Friday night, every home team wears a special jersey, and there's a salute to the military and um, the, the, o- the, the optics and, and how they orchestrate the games. Um, it really is a, a, a – it's not only a throwback. It's a real genuine uh, baseball experience without a whole lot of bells and whistles. If, if you lament uh, how technical the game has gotten and how kind of antiseptic it's gotten at the major league level, then you will really love coming out to the Cape, and I, I recommend that you do so uh, this summer and come and say hello. Um, this season – um, you know, we spent a lot of time together. You know, we, we a little we, bit too much, a little bit too much time, right? I'm so glad you went to the Olympics, um, but we did. You know, we have golf in common, and of course, uh, uh, our our investment in the game of baseball in, in common. Um, just talk to me when you think about now that the smoke is cleared, 2017. A couple of things that automatically jump into your into your head. I'm still trying to figure out how it happened, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, I, I just look back on the season, and the regular season, it was a team that you knew had an incredible amount of talent offensively and pitching-wise near the top of the yes. statistical rankings as far as the entire Cape League team team statistics-wise. Um, you had someone like Chandler Taylor, who's right up at the, top at, uh, the home run leaderboard, Mickey Gasper hitting for a high average, Nick Dunn hitting for a high average, it just seemed like, you know, every, every, at every position, you had a really, really talented player who wasn't just talented in Brewster, but also Cape-wide really stood out. Mm-hmm. But team had some fielding issues, and sometimes the result, the final, you know, win or loss, didn't quite match up with the talent level. I mean, the regular season was, what, third in the in the Eastern Division? I think so. Third in the Eastern Division, 21-21-2, so as 500 as you can get, and then just the inc- the incredible, and incredible isn't even a strong enough word to describe it, postseason run. When you think about having the team having its back uh, back against the wall, against YD, against Orleans, and just the way in which time and time again the team found a way to come back and rally. And that, that was evident in the regular season as well. I can think of the... Uh, the game against the Harwich Mariners where mm-hmm. Marty Costas hit the big home run. Yep, yep. Um, was that the seventh or eighth inning? The tie and, against YD. Yeah. The the Mar- against, yeah came big, back and tied at 7-7. Right, right. It was like first week of the season, yep, too. So yep. just from the start of the season through the end of the regular season, the constant ability to come back, overcome obstacles, and – you know, defeat adversity. And just to give some context to this so that people don't think we're just cheerleading here is that the Cape has been in existence for like a thousand years. I mean, it, it's been there forever. Uh, the Brewster Whitecaps, we this season played more games than any team has ever played in the Cape. And we are the first team to play nine consecutive games in the playoffs. We went all three games, all three series. We faced elimination six times. Six times. Three times we gave away leads late in the game of two and three runs, and it looked like it was going to be over for us, including 
twice against Yarmouth YD, who was a three-time reigning champ in the opening round of the playoffs, where uh, at one point we gave up the lead in the uh, deciding game, and we had one of the best players in the league, that kid Revis, who is just a monster, uh, up at the plate with the winning run on third base, and I was in my head thinking to myself, wow, there's going to be some poetic justice here. He's going to get a base. I just can't believe this kid's going to get a base hit, and he didn't. He grounded out the first base, and we went on. Graffinino hits the double. We win that game. So, um, you know, this is not just our victory that we're that we're toting. It's an unprecedented victory in an unprecedented unprecedented league, and I think that deserves a lot of note. Um, particular plays, um, instances, kind of things you look back on that maybe you didn't think at the time, but in retrospect, you say, wow, that's kind of the reason why this team was able to uh, overcome so much and, and prevail. Well, I think for... I mean, the big plays that stand out to everyone are Marty Costa's catch in Game 3. The greatest clutchest catch in the history of baseball. It's, you've said it since the moment it happened. Absolutely. Um, in Game 3 of the championship series against Bourne, um, Marty Costa's home run in Game 3 against Orleans. Wow. Connor McNamara's performance there. But some of the under-the-radar, underrated um, plays that I'm thinking of, and I, I, it was either you or Chev who said it after Game 3 against YD, you mentioned Graffinino's double, but Zach Hagen, who hit right before him, who had a bit of a down season. Or up and down. He, yeah. came, he got out late. He got out yes. late to the Cape, and he wasn't in the best of shape, and he had a couple of injuries, and he hung in there because he's a terrific guy and a really good player. Uh, yes, he had a g- huge two-out at-bat. Yeah, two outs, and I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, fell behind in the I count, was, had two, oh, two strikes yeah, on him. Yeah, he had two strikes. Battled, battled. back yep. against a very, very good pitcher. I want to... Now you're going to test my memory here, but it's a kid from Michigan, Riley McCauley. Yeah, one of the best pitchers. Yeah, from Michigan State um, for YD, battles back and, you know, gets a hit, which then sets up Graffinino's double, Mm -hmm. which brings home Gahagan. Right, right, and on we go. Yeah. Absolutely. And Um, the rest is history. Yeah, I I think one of the lessons I learned from this season is is something, you know, you, you, you think things and then things happen that validate what you think, is that, first of all, you can only sit back and watch the action. There's not a whole lot you can do to control the outcome. So when teams start to make these predictions, especially when you look at spring training, I know that the, I know they have to fill up a lot of air time and a lot of, you know, not figuratively, paper time. Uh, So they have to start talking about how teams are going to do in March when they don't play until April and they don't finish until October. And what what that doesn't really do is it does a disservice because what it doesn't do is account for what really makes you win or lose, and that is kind of it happening when it's supposed to happen or not happening. When the ball bounces one way or another, you really don't have a lot of – Ability to control the outcome, and I think, and I think, and this may have happened in the playoffs. Uh, I think it's, at times the opposition tried to control the outcome, and it backfired on them, and we capitalized and wound up prevailing as a result. Whereas Chev, one thing Chev knew uh, that he needed to sit back and let our guys do what they could do, and that was one of the things that we was a constant theme of the season. Although we struggled in the beginning defensively, we knew we were a good defensive team, but we had to get this period over with and as the season started to build on if you notice guys sort of you know Graffinino came into his own and became one of the best shortstops if not the best in the league and had a fabulous playoff run he was in the middle of almost everything that was important that took place Chandler Taylor made 
two of the best defensive plays that saved the whole series for us. Yep. Here's a guy who comes in second in the home run derby, is touted for how far he hits the ball. I love the fact that he hits the ball far too, but his biggest contribution in those nine games was two plays. He throws out a runner in, in the game against Bourne. In the first game against Bourne, after we cough up the lead, Mickey Gasper makes a fabulous play at the plate to corral the ball and hold on to the tag. They would have taken the lead, and I think we would have lost that game had that play not happened. And then in the last game, he makes that diving catch with second and third, which would have changed the tide of the championship game. And those plays sort of go unnoticed. And to me, those are the plays that stand out. Yeah, and you mentioned being able or everyone kind of views him for his power ability to hit home runs and certainly it's an admirable trade i mean i love it it's great he's got as much raw power as frankly anyone in college baseball no question um but you're right in that especially the one that stuck out to me was game three taking away because if, if he dives or slides which he did and it gets past him it's different than just playing it on a hop so he made the decision rolled the dice, right. I'm going to slide and try and make this play here and not give up You know, one run, just concede that, takes the risk, makes the play. But if that gets past him, that's at least two runs and an extra base hit. For and him I, and I, can't, I can't help but think that that had something to do with his relationship with Jason Kanzler, who was not a good outfielder, but a great outfielder, the only outfielder in the history to, of college baseball to win the gold glove, glove twice. They were attached at the hip all year. They worked on offense and defense together. And one thing that Jason had, he played for me, and I said this all the time, to be a great defender, you have to have the nerve of a cat burglar. You just do. you got to be able to take a chance when you know you can. And Chandler did at the right time, right place, and came up big and, and essentially helped us uh, seal that victory. Um, in the college game, you know, we've had this discussion a lot. I don't mean to change. Uh, we'll get back to the, so to switching the win. switching things up here. We'll get back to the, to the win because I can't speak enough about it. Um, give me a couple of things that I, I anoint you as uh, the director of college baseball. You get, to change, you get to change a couple of things. What would you do in college baseball? In college baseball? Because yeah. I'll be honest. I, I think the majority of the time where you hear about the NCAA, it comes down to college basketball or college football. Yep. And you see sports like baseball or um, Division One or – NCAA soccer, hockey, whatever it may be, they kind of fly under the radar and no one really talks about them. All the problems, all the issues that anyone ever discusses, they're with football and basketball because those are you know, the main revenue sports for a lot of schools. Um, college baseball, well, I, I, I think it's an, it's an issue that plagues just the NCAA as a whole, not particular to baseball, but the idea of paying players. Um, I, for one, I'm not a huge fan of paying a salary to a player, but I think they should absolutely have control over their likeness, and that's a little bit different for baseball than it is for football or basketball, where they have the the video games. Then it attaches a particular revenue stream to a particular player at that point. It's not just the NCAA makes a lot of money, we've got to give some back to the players. It's Aiden Doyle makes a lot of money based on his jersey being sold. He should get a piece of that. Like what Johnny Manziel did at Texas A&M or... Um, Baker Mayfield, and that's Oklahoma. very few players. People yeah. have to understand how very few players this has any impact on. Yeah, and the second baseman at Wagner College is not selling any jerseys. True. <laughs> I, well, I I think that in that scenario, for me, that's a that's a no brainer that the player should have to control over their own likeness and receive right. the profit. It's directly from that. attributable yes, to the player. Exactly. The idea of paying players, whether it be an increased stipend or a salary. That's where it gets a little bit murkier. Um, I don't love the idea, but at the same time, players are the re- 
you know, they're the yes. they're the stars. They're the reason why the NCAA exists. The NCAA without the players, you know, creating the product on the field right. is nothing. Right. We've had this discussion before. Yeah. You don't need umpires, administrators, or scorekeepers. You need you players. Need players. Right. Yes. Um, so as far as looking at the gross, just ridiculous profits and revenues that the NCAA brings in every year, I think it was it just came out the other Over day. Over a billion. Is it one point one billion? Yep. yep. You you look at the amount that a play or the ridiculous uh, expectations that players, athletes are that is expected of them that they have to pay for you know specific right. things. Right. They you know have to live right. um, basically on their own right. while they're at college and get absolutely none of that. And the NCAA, these executives, administrators, you know, president, vice president, whatever it may be, CEO, they just rake in all of this constant you know stream of revenue and profit that the players never see an Well, the NCAA is, exists to make rules. So what yes. it does is it gets together with – everybody gets together and they create more rules. And when you create more that rules, you reduce liber- liberty. And what you do is you silence the game and you silence the players and you take away their right to essentially share in some of the revenue that they've generated, which is why when the power gets centralized in one place and that place becomes so monolithic – you can't help but have rampant uh, corruption and absolute corruption. You just can't. So um, I agree. I think, it's, I think it does get murky when you start to try to pay the players because there are so many players, which is why I think you really have to segregate this argument between the schools that this affects. And you'd be shocked. The, 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 the buying public would be stunned at how many schools, how few schools any of this really affects. It's very, very few. And there are very, very few schools that make money in major sports. Very few. I mean, football is a is a cash you know sieve for most schools. Most schools don't get a hundred thousand people at a game. You know, you have a traveling party of a hundred. You still have all the expenses, but you don't have near the revenue. So I, I, I think it's an interesting idea. We are um, going to take a break. When we come back, we're going to discuss the call. All right, and get back to the Olympics right after this. This conversation is brought to you by Hashtag 4Mom, Braden and Hunter Bishop's charitable fund dedicated to helping people and families with Alzheimer's and dementia. Hashtag 4Mom on Twitter or 4MomALZ.com, 4MomALZ.com. Braden, the prospect with the Seattle Mariners, and Hunter, our center fielder with our 2017 Brewster Whitecap championship team, also patrolling the outfield at Arizona State University. They're in a battle. Uh, Their mom was diagnosed with early onset of Alzheimer's at a very young age, and uh, our prayers and our thoughts are always with the Bishop family. Also sponsored by Northern Security Capital Corp., leading mortgage broker in New York. For all your mortgage needs, if you're buying, refinancing, or just want a free credit qualification, please call at 718-273-1010. That's 718-273-1010. Yeah. That's where we are, in Tribeca. Thanks, Hove. We are back with Aiden Doyle. I think I'm going to leave. after. You, no, you are not. You are too old to call Jay-Z Hove. <laughs> hey, we're neighbors, man. We're neighbors. You are not neighbors at all. We are neighbors. He's a Tribeca guy. Uh, no, he's not. <laughs> are we going to fight right now? He referenced Tribeca in the song. He's not from Tribeca. No, he's not from Tribeca. He's from Brooklyn. But he, lives in, he has a place in Tribeca. I think they just sold that place, actually. I think he can have a place wherever he wants. I'm sure he can. Um, back to the call. Um, we are uh, we're 
It's August 13th. It's about 3 o'clock. It's the bottom, top of the ninth, and Troy Miller's on the mound. They get a leadoff base hit, and Graffinino and uh, Dunn turn a great double play. Now it's two outs. We're sitting in the dugout, and it looks like maybe this thing is going to happen. Uh, the ensuing ground ball, Graffinino, he throws it to Infante. What are you thinking about? There's two outs. Are In your head as a broadcaster, um, before you make this call, One hit on the ground towards short. Fielded by Graffinino. Throw on to first. In time. Now and forever. The Brewster Whitecaps yeah, are kings of the Cape in 2017. The Brewster Whitecaps defeat the Born Braves and win their first Cape League championship since 2000. Can you believe it? The little team that could comes back and wins game three at home. Two to nothing. The final score. Brewster overboard. Let's go, baby. You know it. What were you thinking? What? How did you come up with that? How did you? Was that? Was that spontaneous? Were you like plotting it? What were you doing? The now and I'll be honest. The now and forever part. I kind of thought about before, or I thought about the morning of or the night. I don't remember exactly. But as far as what I'm thinking in the moment, well, at first it was somebody needs to get this on video. So I had my phone out right. filming it, and right. Carter Wadeel, who was yes. the other play-by-play. Sure play, jack of all trades. He took my phone because, I mean, thank you, Carter, if you're listening to this. Of the I appreciate it. the art video of well, Brewster. Yeah, he, he, uh, he takes my phone because he wasn't on play-by-play at the moment. Right. So he filmed it and let me focus on you know what the was court. going on in the act. Right, so right. thank you for that, Carter. Second thing that's going through my head, please don't. Have a voice crack like Sean McDonough in this moment. <laughs> like, I will do anything. If, if you do listen to it, when I say the little team that could, my voice does crack a little bit on could. And I definitely ran out of breath a little bit there. This is, this is the asthma kicking in. Right, right. Yeah. Well, it was a great call. and Thank you. It's a call that will live forever in Brewster. It reminds me of another call. How great. Al Michaels, the, the greatest call of all time. The single oh, yeah. greatest event 100%, in the history of sports. Which, history which of sports. is why. That's your Al Michaels call, man. No, no. That is my <laughs> summer of between my sophomore and junior year of college call. The, the Al Michaels call, let, let, let's say my call is at sea level. That's like it's the greatest, four times it's the greatest Mount call. Everest, it's, like. It, Beyond the atmosphere, stratosphere, lithosphere, whatever it is, it's way up there. They're not in the same. You know, any any time I'm asked to speak to any any group of people, I, oh, I I invariably invoke 1980 because it is literally in an age where where we hype inhaling and exhaling. It, it was one of the. It's the only sporting event I re, I know of that you couldn't hype enough. Like it was just. If you wrote that story, no one would read it. If you put that story in a movie, no one would, would watch it. And that call is so organic, and it comes from such a pure place, whereas today, and I've heard Bob Costas say this, I remember when the home run, the fake home run chase was happening with Mark McGuire. I mean, it was fake. It was like lip-syncing, for God's sakes. It was the Millie Vanilli baseball era. Um, I remember him saying that if he had the call, what he was thinking about saying was, it's far, it's gone, it's history. I thought to myself, wow, you've been thinking for weeks about how you would make a call, how it lacks spontaneity. It's not going to sound, it's going to sound antiseptic and sterile. And the Al Michaels call is great because it's, 
And that whole event is so great because it has none of that. And your call, even though you thought about it, no, even though you thought about it, is a great call. And it gives me, I mean, I was there, so I, I feel what I felt in that moment in the dugout. Uh, and I get goosebumps. It's a great, organic, genuine, spontaneous sounding call. You made it work. And at your age, uh, you're an SI Newhouse, Syracuse journalism, broadcast journalism major on your way. Um, if this is your C, um, I think we're going to see great things when you get to your A, man. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I mean that. I mean that. It means a lot. It's part of the fabric of what we did. It's not just um, a call that's you know out there in 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 uh, in the air. It's it 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 bespeaks fittingly uh, what you saw all season long. It encapsulates an entire season in a very short kind of snippet, and and that's what great speakers and broadcasters do. Well, for for me, like we talked about before, growing up in Brewster and really rooting. I'm supposed to be impartial no, as the play-by-play no, 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 broadcast, right, right, but you know, rooting right. for the team and you guys as coaches to 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 win the championship, to you know, win it for the first time in 17 years. I I like to. I still have the video that Carter took on my phone. I still have it saved. I, I've deleted right. hundreds and hundreds of pictures right. in between then and now, just to clear up space on my phone. But I've always saved the ones from the championship game. Right. Um, and then even from the first and second rounds, like Will Tribuker right. starts uh, yep. striking out yep. Stephen Scott to get to the championship. Those are all still saved on my phone. I got them. Because I love Absolutely. rewatching them. Absolutely. Not to hear my own call or anything no. like that. Because you go back. You're yeah. able to go back. It's you like, are. okay, one, it's warm out. So, you know, I'm wearing shorts there and at Syracuse and get a little cold and I want to be warm. <laughs> um, but also, obviously, because. It was a great day for everyone involved, with the exception of maybe the board Braves and their fans. But it, it just – it was a euphoric feeling for so many people. And just to relive it even for 15 seconds while watching it on your phone on a bus. So I, I learned fun. a lot about you this year. One of the things I learned is that you're really superstitious. Uh, okay, yeah. That's... So so I, I think it's important that you, you, you talk about the superstition that you – actually forced on me <laughs> well you didn't have to force it because i'm at the golf course every day anyway hitting balls and uh tell them what what we did every single morning at around 9 30 well here's my question did it start before the playoffs at all yes okay yes okay so it started right at the tail end of the regular season and you know we we went a, a few times uh we'd go to the driving range at the ocean edge resort and golf club. We'd go to the short game area. Yep. Dump um, out like a hundred bowls. Yeah. We were not authorized or allowed to be there. But, but we just you know, it. we made it work. Right. Well, ask as, ask as, for forgiveness as, rather than ask for permission. Walk in like you own the place. Exactly. <laughs> that's how to uh <laughs> that's how to conduct yourselves in, in life. Um but we went to the range the morning after game one of the first round series where the Whitecaps Brutal loss to Absolutely. to YD. You know, lost eight to five. Had a lead in the ninth right. inning. Um, and you you know, you and I were talking about it like potentially because all the days are or all the games were played consecutively. This could be this it. could be the last right. game. Our so, bags were packed. Yeah, we want to go yeah. seven you know, days. Yeah. Play golf a little bit more yep. before leaving yep. the Cape for the summer. Um, and so it, they win game two at home right. in a snoozer, which to me was an indication that we had life because. They didn't. They should. They had the chance to step on our throats, and they didn't. Yeah, they, that was a big mistake. They were tentative. They lacked. They lacked what really, really good 
uh, teams have, and they didn't have the killer instinct. Just seemed like they were going through the motions. Yeah, that comes case. from the top. But let's. That's another. Um, that's for another day. But okay, so they win game two. Well, what was the, what was something that we did before game right. two? That I don't think we did before game one. We went to the driving range and we played. Or now hit understand, balls. we're two and a half months in and we are exhausted. Exhausted. Early work, playing I golf, know. I mean, you know, you, pressure you, packed. We you are old t- people. Might be. We but. were tired. Our whole team was tired. We were. I mean, yeah. it's exhausting. It's it a is. long summer. Yeah. Um. But so we we went before game yeah. two, and then you have to go before game three. Well, they win and game then we three. Win. <laughs> then we went before game one of the Orleans series, and even though. Bruce lost to Orleans right. in game one. We're like, okay, well, we did it before game right. two of right. the previous series. Right. Well, we got to do it again. Right. Then we do it before game two. They win. Do it before game three. They win. And like most people enslaved by a superstition, we start finding reasons why we should do it. Oh, yeah. And it, it got to the point where, you know, we've got blisters on our hands from hitting so many balls. Right. I never wanted to hit another wedge or ball. <laughs> it got to the point where we, we showed up one day and it was like, we just need to keep the streak going, but I don't want to hit any balls. So here's me just not even, like, swinging at the ball. It's just, like, whacking it out into the range. And then what did we do, though? What did we do the morning of the championship game? We didn't. We left it up to fate. That's oh, right. yeah. We because left it up to fate. game two of the championship series was a very annoying game. Right, right. Um, we didn't. We had the chance to rainy, bury them. It was, right. ugh, it was terrible. A, it was terrible. Yes. No fun. And at that point... Like like you said, it was all right. Whatever happens, we were throwing caution three. to the wind at that point. And Good for us. If you don't think that there was part of me that you know, t- just getting ready the next morning before game three, was thinking, well, we we went you know game three of the right. first and I second know, you're round. Trying to rationalize. Like, Let's do this. You know, we should, we should go, but Absolutely. at the same time, like it's it does it's not going to make a difference, but it might make a difference. And then you know the mind starts racing, and I get it from my mom, where I'm the person who. You know, if, if a certain piece of paper, we're watching a Yankees game or something, a certain piece of paper is out of place from where it was the previous night when they won, well, i got to make sure that it's in the same spot. During the Yankees playoff run, I mean, I wore my Paul O'Neill. That's your Italian mother. Yeah, I wore right. my Paul O'Neill right. Yankees shirt for basically every game because, right. well, they just kept winning and, you know, just got to keep the streak going. Right. But – that was our superstition. I had more that I'm sure you did. Yeah, and a lot of the players did as well. Graffinino had a, had a, you know we always had to work together before you know not not that we wouldn't have anyway, but he had a bunch of guys had their superstitions. Um, so, w- what's what's next for you? Where where are you now? You're you're from the Olymp- you come back from the Olympics. You've got uh, um, jet lag for the last two weeks. Um, did Lindsay Vaughn say anything about me, by the way? No, she didn't say anything about you. Not She's, a word. She said a quick hi to me with that. You oh, know, you know why? She knows you know ten, me. Ten it million dollars. It still smile. hurts. I had to reject her. I Listen, did. I did. And I know I'm married. You, I just couldn't. And and I think I think it still stings her. Oh it yeah, stings. I, yeah. I, I te- you texted me while yeah. I was over there, just yeah. saying, oh, Lindsay Vaughn said hi, or like talked about LV, me at all. Call her LV. Um, one, no, she is not. Right. Two, it hurts too much. You're married, so too much. Yeah, I know. Well, that's why I, you know, just even though Lindsay, uh, I'm pretty sure you were the one initiating the text. I messages, think it was though, the championship so. that she uh, in the ring. Where is your ring, by the way? My ring is on the island. In and my who kitchen got you that home. ring? Who got you that? You ring? got me that ring. The coaching so. staff, right? The coaching staff. We did the Chef right thing. We did the right thing. You and Neil. We, and we made just an injustice. You you were as much a part of that victory as as anyone, and you deserved it. And wear it well. Wear it well. Um, so, uh, you are off to LA? 
Yes, I leave for LA in three now, hours. Now, do you not go to school? Is that, this you this a, semester, no. No. So basically, you spend two weeks at the Olympics and you get a semester. Three and a off. half. Wow. No wonder Johnny can't read. Oh, my goodness. Hey. <laughs> oh, my God. I will let you know that all my teachers in elementary school said I was above grade level. In yeah, reading, so. yeah. Everybody gets a trophy nowadays. Yeah. Aiden. Don't forget that. Okay. <laughs> Don't even believe that. I tell all my students at St. John's how good they are, too, so they write nice reviews. By the way, me. my cousin might go to St. John's. So. Really? Yeah. Sport management major? I have no idea. Really? Well, look me up. Anything I could do? She plays basketball. She still likes sports. Is she playing basketball at St. John's? No. No? Okay. Well, Anything she Listen, needs? St. John's know. is like, it's good. It's like real good. Basketball. What does that mean? Basketball. I mean, you have to be really, really, really You made like good. an Italian gesture. Yeah. Hey. Take it easy. Relax. Relax. All right. All right. This is going off the rails <laughs> at this point. <laughs> as it usually does. As it usually does. So, you travel safe. You're going to be back in town. We'll have dinner. We'll have you back on. Um, uh, Aiden Doyle, de facto. De facto, the guy, uh, media-wise, for the Brewster Whitecaps 2017, a part of our great championship run. Um, I want to thank you so much for stopping by. I know you got to get out of here and catch a plane as you jet set across the country. Uh, to everyone out there, thank you very much for listening. We will see you again on The Conversation. Is crunchy granola sweet? Jessica. Oh, Jessica. Any questions, comments, or ideas for future shows, please email me at TommyWeberBaseball at gmail.com or hit me up on Instagram or Twitter at TommyWeberBaseball. We'd love to hear from you.